Starting sequence in three, two, one. Coming to you remotely from the annoying part in the back of your mouth. This is Wisdom Teeth. Hello, good evening, and I think I've seen this film before, and I didn't like the ending. Welcome to episode 22 of Wisdom Teeth. My name is Will... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My name is is Will Bond, and as usual, I'm joined by our lovely hosts, Clara Hill. Woo! Alex Reese. Oh, what a week, right? And (laughs) Sophie Taylor. I am also here. Hi. For this episode, well, there's, 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 we, we actually genuinely organised this one. It's, it's a rare, it's a rare occurrence. Stop, and even st- stop outing us. <laughs> <laughs> this is all off the cuff. Done. Best this improv ever. This is authentic, real <laughs> life conversation. Just improv, come into your baby. Yeah. Like yes, and. Short, William. And me as well, mainly. Just don't tell me short. But we've got so much to talk about because uh, a lot has happened. But we also we we really wanted to do this topic because it seemed quite cool and felt kind of seasonal in a way. Uh, for Season. like we we're mentioned... in autumn. It's not winter. Martha, uh, Sarah Montague was on the world at one, and someone was like, "Actually, Sarah, it's autumn. Stop saying it's winter." And she was like, "I deeply apologize." But of course, first the big news that we've all been hearing as of what the fifth. Of November or the sixth of November? It was last Saturday, so the seventh. Yeah, it was, it was a week was today. It was At some Officially, point. so on the seventh of November, it was official that Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. Woo! Sleepy Joe Biden. Woo! 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 It was actually quite good, but it was also quite sad because now I have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Like, all I did was... I can't complain. With the people that I'm staying with, we just watched it. Like, we didn't watch the night of. On Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we just sat in front of CNN and, like... Just watching the counting. And, like, the key race alert, which always got us every time. We were like, oh, my God, they're going to declare Nevada. And it was just Wolf Blitzer <laughs> being like, this thing we already knew has just happened. Yeah. It was like if the end of Thelma and Louise, where they drive off the cliff, spoiler, but it was like if that was stretched out over a week, <laughs> that you were just watching them fall fuller and further and further <laughs> down into the ravine, but they never quite hit the ground. And that was that was what it was like watching CNN. It's a, it's a, it's a big ravine. Um, I didn't watch it. I had it on the internet. I had the New York Times up. Because, I don't know, I thought that was cool or something. And I just liked kind of hearing all the different reporters' takes. They were like, oh, well, this county hasn't been counted yet, so he's obviously going to take Pennsylvania. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Okay. It was very much like a film. Like, Mm. we were just, like, the whole world, because of lockdown, because we're not doing anything, we're all working from home. We can just, like, that's our new entertainment. uh, Or most of us are all working from home. We can just put on CNN and sit in front of it, mm. and then do your other and it, thing. And it's do something that we things. all care about because no one wants a Trump back in except from fascists. Apart from mm. seventy million Americans wanted Trump back in, unfortunately. Yeah, but, that's that's what yeah. that's what stings about this week is mm. that we'll qualify it, but it's been a fantastic week. Like he's been voted out. Dominic Cummings is out of Ten Downing Street. There yes. may be a vaccine by this time in a couple of months' time. But 70 million people still voted for the guy. And you're like, that is going to take a long time to unpack. Mm. We're going to be yeah. at this for another couple like, of decades before. Yeah. yeah, whatever you do, do not think it's over. It isn't. Because oh, Trumpism because Trumpism, and like the way he thinks has pretty much... I'm not going to be kind. It has infected... <laughs> a lot of like thinking both in american politics and in world politics but i don't think it's there's, new. there's a huge there is a huge anti-intellectual 
movement out there, and it is Trumpism. I, don't I like the idea that you just decided to be nice when you began that sentence. You were like, oh, maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, after four years of like the most abjectly depressing world yeah. leader in our living then country. I, then, then I realised just how that now angry, you decide to angry be nice. I really am. Yeah. I just don't understand the objective of people, though, who support Trump and stuff. I know they're angry, but I don't know what their objective is, like what they want at the end of everything. Like, I don't what? think they know either. What's really annoying about the discourse around Trump is like, oh, we have to like reach out and like understand what these people want. And it's like, why? Like, they would never do that for me. No, but like people like these people who vote for Trump are the people who like make America great again. And like the people who call white supremacists very fine people and don't have a problem with that. They're not the, they are not in in America, in the hierarchy of the world. They're not the most oppressed. It's like, the fact like black women in their droves like they went out and they voted for biden because that's what they had to do because that was the route of uh, uh, the only route available to them they know like people who vote for trump are not the left behind and like this narrative mm. that they are is so weird that we've allowed this to happen they are kind of but they're not the most i think there are just different levels on which you can be left behind i guess and some people view themselves as truly the worst in society just because they don't know the other way is that you can be dealt a bad hand yeah the real challenge for a biden administration is to help those people without resorting to the kind of nativist america first type stuff Mm. which did so well with the trump base like because you have to deal with them you have to try and put the genie back in the bottle but did they ever, the were they ever in the bottle though? Cause, like, well, yeah, that's the thing, I guess. Yeah. Like people talk about, like people talk about Trump, how they like him because he says what like their dad says when they're watching the TV. Like mm. he kind of appeals to something that already exists within, like people be like, within the American or actually quite Western psyche about like mm. this is people. I've heard people talk that way, the way that Trump like, does. He was the president for people who think that you can't say anything these days and he said <laughs> everything he said everything you could possibly say yeah. as president and he didn't well, open he didn't o- he didn't open the can of worms he, he is was, the can of worms he is yeah. the can of worms but people really liked that about him like it actually like got him further like, yeah to grab well, that, him by the that's, well that's what happened with the 2016 for the 2016 campaign people were like oh it's so refreshing to hear him say what we're all thinking it was like it can't be refreshing after four years of this and that's what i don't get about the way he handled coronavirus as well when he Mm. was like oh we have how are people not angry about that yeah and he was like oh we were dealt a bad hand because the obama administration hadn't left us the resources to deal with it and it's like dude you've been in power for nearly four years if That's the Obama same thing. hadn't left it behind, then you could have built it. It's the same thing that the, the Tories have been doing every time they're challenged on welfare. Every single time. It's like, yeah. well, we inherited it from the last Labour government. You know, the Labour government ten that was last ago. in power ten years well, from ago. 2010, yeah. He actually, actually like dismantled any pandemic response before there was a pandemic. Like, yeah, he, was, he totally He was told re- that if there's a pandemic, it. you won't be able to cope. But his base mm-hmm. doesn't care. Like, they don't care about the pandemic. They don't want, like, their economy. They want the economy and, like, their freedoms. I mean, they have a point, but, like, I just want... But, like, sometimes you just got to suck up the freedoms for the greater good, you selfish arsehole. Like, as mm. we've all been doing. <laughs> yeah, like, last October, I think both the NHS, like, 18 months ago, had, like, a run-through, and they found out that they would not be able to cope with the pandemic. And last October, um, the Trump administration, like, the pandemic response area or whatever had like a run through and they realized that they were not in like an mm. area where they were not in a shape where they could actually fix a pandemic if one occurred. Wait, they were not think... in shape to deal with a pandemic. I was watching I the think... news um, in lockdown and they, I think it was, it might've been local news, but they were doing this exercise. Oh no, it was London, I think, but they were doing this exercise for what would happen if, there was a tunnel collapse on the London Underground. It was this massive thing that took place in a warehouse and must have cost like a million pounds to put on. And there were all these people who were sort of pretending to be in an upside down tube carriage 
and sort of like begging for help and just kind of sitting there waiting for the emergency services to respond. And you're thinking, that's all well and good, but like, where was that money for test and trace? It, like, we're, we're going to see in a, in a scenario where a working vaccine could be available to the public before they fix test and trace, which still doesn't work. No. Oh my god, don't even, I don't even want to go into it. I but... still don't really understand how the app works. Like, I don't know how it's meant Bluetooth. to help me. Yeah, but just saying Bluetooth isn't going to help everybody. Because... I don't get it. I don't really want to get it. You know, like when there's like I have so many things going through my brain, and that unfortunately mm. is one of those things where I'm like, I wish it was better, but I think it's just for self-preservation. Speaking of self-preservation, I think one of the main one of the main catechisms of the Trump religion, as it was, of Trumpism, is the phrase: "If it doesn't affect me, I don't give a shit." Ugh, I think yeah. that. You know, that that seems to be kind of one that seems to be the vibe that the man himself gives out. But that kind of seems to echo across his base entirely. And that's going to be sticking around for a while while we have while we have this opportunity as as the liberal left, which we are and a lot of our listeners are. We've pretty much said our political views many times across this podcast with America, with Biden supporters and um, Bernie Sanders supporters, AOC supporters, etc., etc., you know, even in Britain with le- like some of Labour's supporters, why should we reach out to those like the people who believe in the believe in the Trump way of thinking? Well, one thing, it makes us better than them, and two. No, no, no! We... I didn't say. I didn't say no, we but... shouldn't reach out to them. I said. There's never another side. Like, there's never... I don't mind reaching out to someone like that's part of being a human, but there's never a call to do it but the other way around. That's, that's all I'm saying. Can we talk about that it. video, the Marvel video, please? I haven't seen oh, it. No, do we have to? Oh, my God. Yes. Just, okay, you just guys quickly. talk about it. Who so. shared oh it? God. Who shared I'm it on the WhatsApp? Because it's blessed and cursed, that video of the <laughs> of the Avengers Assemble. I've never seen Some the movie. Okay. Like, to give this, the video to give this context put... to everybody. So, Clara sent us a clip on the whatsapp which was um an edited clip from a scene from avengers endgame and it's the scene where all the heroes show up through all the portals and everyone's returned back to life and about to kill thanos but instead of the heroes they superimposed all the faces of like biden's cabal and all his lot all together fighting trump who is obviously thanos um but some of them some of them Blessed. were really weird because why is why is Elon Musk here and why no. is he Iron Man? because yeah. no, he's a billionaire. He, Elon Musk thinks he's Tony Stark. Grimes, Joe Biden's going to let me mine the lithium in Bolivia. Grimes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, going to get a contract to print lots of Teslas. Your Elon Musk sounds like Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> Now that I would watch, because like, Werner Herzog is an actor as well. I want to see the lithium. <laughs> when John Lewis popped up, I almost died, like of embarrassment, and like you know what? I kind of think this is. It was both embarrassing and like, yeah, fair enough. I'm trying to remember who AOC was meant to be. Oh, she would have been in the um, the bit where oh, the group women all of stuff? the all of the women all show the women. which which yeah. i should say i mean what a fucking cynical scene that is in endgame in the first place right <laughs> look at all the ladies we have now we're progressive yeah. i like so, well, it, that's uh, a right whole other they kill thing off black widow after not giving her a film for nine years now 10 years and they finally an give her one and <laughs> it can't be released because of a global pandemic. Also, also like also it, it's it's right after a scene just to quickly about Avengers Endgame. So <laughs> Captain Marvel punches her way through an entire ship and then just lands on the ground and then everyone's like, Oh, let's go help her. I was like, Well, okay, all of the women all of the other women, you are very good at fighting and you some of you can fly around and some of you yes are very powerful. But Captain Marvel, she can punch through entire fleets of ships by herself. Like, even in her own movie, she was overpowered. She doesn't need the rest of you. She could do this whole thing by herself. Anyway, I did really enjoy it up to the point. I liked it when, like, Stacey Abrams and the mayor of Atlanta came in. I don't know why her name is. I should. Anyway, 
like because it was like she was like they were black panther like they were like the, they were like and then and then the dead people popped up and i was like right i've had enough of it like i can't but i loved it but i actual hate dead it. people actual dead people i loved it and i hated it it was weird i, I like I all, all my friends were like this is amazing i'm thing is i, I did kind of delete it from my memory i am worried that ruth bader ginsburg was in there somewhere I actually, I've been at work. I've been editing video, yeah. In that, I think in that style, because I haven't quite done like the superimposing of. <laughs> yeah, you did faces. a thing. Yeah, no, I, I, thankfully, in my job, I'm now doing more than just editing podcasts, and have been allowed to basically go hog wild on Premiere, which has involved me doing that so much winning speech that Trump did a couple of years ago. And well, setting it to the uh, end of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which was quite satisfying. <laughs> that was quite funny. I can't believe that's your job. Yeah, that is a me good neither. Job. You have a weird job, dude. <laughs> Man, you know, if I could get you, all you guys employed, then then I would. It would just be sat in a shed. That'd be the happiest day of my life. You know, sat in a shed making um, shit posts for a living. That's yeah. The dream. You know the host mad video. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Callum told me this, and now I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do the host mad video, but it's all just pangolins being cute instead of Joe Aww. Biden with his aviators. <laughs> the the wisdom <laughs> teeth uh, TikTok account has to happen eventually. No. Right? Oh, oh my god, can no. I do that? Yes. Yeah, no, we should uh, we can. should make ourselves a presence. <laughs> Need to learn how oh to dance god. first. I think. It's like the best. It's how I'm, I get. I'm... I'm really not in the right mood for you to pitch me this. <laughs> Whoever would do it later. <laughs> we're planning on doing a lot, guys. We are, we are. Because we have, yeah, we're trying to get a YouTube channel and a website and a Patreon. All I actually we'll, did we'll... think about a TikTok, actually. I would be really, I think I should be in charge of the TikTok. No, I, I think of all of us, Clara is the one most connected to the zeitgeist. That is I true. read, t- I literally, like, when the ads come on, on when I watch all, all four, I just look at TikTok. So, I guess Clara's social media manager now? I could do a whole video on, like, the disgusting parts of TikTok, like, private school TikTok. My favourite TikTok account is the only TikTok account I follow, and it's just a guy who chugs things really fast. Oh, okay. Like, he'll just do a whole cup of iced coffee in about <laughs> half a second jesus christ it's incredible like i don't know how he does it he explained like, like how it's an egg white like it's an egg white you have to sort of use a straw so that uh, the air vacuum at the bottom of the cup has somewhere oh, to you go do the thing where it just goes Hum. it just like it's you don't even a... swallow it it just flows into you it's called basically. a straw pedo <laughs> now I know yeah. all the TikTok chat. It makes me I hate it, but it's lockdown, so well, well you said private school TikTok. I noticed that when it was when you know when Vine was around, it was just a lot of it was a lot of privileged white kids in there. I never went on Vine going to high school Vine, doing their really weird shit. Vine went over my head. I only ever saw like the ones that migrated onto Twitter, but TikTok I'm mm. like fully immersed. Private school TikTok is just no, there's like there's like this lip sync that they do and they can't lip sync. And yes. it's really embarrassing. It makes oh, me so sad. I, I, th- I think we're going off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We Wisdom teeth going off on a tangent? Oh, no. I wonder but how speaking... long this episode will wind up being. <sighs> but speaking of TikTok, uh, Nevada seemed to have a lot of uh, oh my God, connection Nevada with TikTok, TikTok over du- during the election process. Clara, will you please enlighten us? Oh, my God. Well, the Huffington Post social media person hannah i don't oh my god what's her name anyway she made this thread of just nevada tiktoks of like nevada being the main character like being the main character is like a big theme that a lot of people make videos about where they'll like pretend they're like put this lana del rey song and then like pretend that they're like the main character in a music video and then anyway it was just really funny like nevada all of a sudden had become like the hot spot of america because the whole world's eyes were just on nevada and they just were taking fucking ages to count, and they were just like, they were like, Nevada starts counting, and it was like, oh, and then they put it down and get distracted, and they're like, ooh, but anyway, you should watch them, instead of listening to me explain them, but Nevada TikToks were really good. So Nevada was being portrayed as a narcissistic influencer with ADHD. Yeah, and like, really slow at counting, and like, the kind of person who'd like, walk into late, walk, walk into work late with an iced coffee. Nice. <laughs> I can appreciate okay. that in a way. Yeah. I would take that with them, but I love to watch that. So Nevada is a millennial. That's the. 
stereotype not an actual millennial god everyone <laughs> hates us though even the gen z's hate us we need to be I, kind we, to i don't know if we are gen z or millennials you know i think we are we are could be both we could be both i think We're i'm just on the cusp of same i feel the thing is i i could and again we could do an all another podcast about this but the difference between gen z and millennial <laughs> i saw a meme once and i think it's actually like, that is the legit descri- describing factor. It's like, okay, when you were in school, did you have a phone that slid up or flipped up or just wasn't an iPhone? Did you have a phone like that? Or did you have a flat phone? If you had a flat phone, you're Gen Z. If you had some other contraption, then you're millennial. Like, don't talk to me if your <laughs> phone has always been a single pane of glass. Yeah. <laughs> You know, who remembers keypads? <laughs> I do. Who remembers a screen the size of a matchbox? I do. Who Smaller remembers than a playing... matchbox, mate. Yeah. How big are how small are your matchboxes? Like tiny, tiny oh, okay. matchboxes. Okay. Uh, who remembers playing Snake? Yes! Yeah! Yeah, but like only on my sister's phone. Yeah, my mum's phone had it and mine didn't. Who remembers texting Orange to see how much pay as you go money you still had? Oh, I called them. I called them. Oh, you called them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never had pay as you go. 52 pence. (laughs) Again, another tangent. Moving on. We're still talking about the election as entertainment. There are four. There are four words that are going to ring out throughout history, and those four words are. Four seasons total landscaping. Yeah, I love it. I love it. This this may oh, be no. the single greatest story. It's the funniest shit ever of the entire presidency of the yeah. entire because it's like it. What and, a poetic metaphor. Because other people have pointed this out, obviously, and we'll talk about it. But yeah. the fact that his campaign started with him descending an escalator in his like golden New York high rise. Yeah. And ends between a crematorium and a sex shop. It's like <laughs> no, between Rudy the cradle Giuliani. and the grave. It is absolute. Yeah, at a, at a crematorium at a sex between shop. Between a crematorium and a sex shop. Yeah, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure oh he's God. familiar with the locale. That's for sure. Oh my God! Oh I read the best piece from the um, the US correspondent. It's from the Independent, Richard mm. Hall. Oh my God! He was he's like describing being there at this press conference. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. You guys tell your grandkids that you were there. For all the people who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, uh, let's give this a bit of context. I'm sure everyone else can Do fill in. Do uh... they'll be having so much fun trying to figure it out. <laughs> like, what? So what happened was, Rudy Giuliani was meant to hold a press conference uh, considering about talking about ballot counting and illegal votes and whatever, that usual bollocks. And it was it was kind of like a... It was meant to be a speech going, ending the campaign, as it were. It was obviously meant to be booked at the Four Seasons Hotel, which I think is, where was it in, was it Four Seasons? The center of Philadelphia in like a big skyscraper. Yeah, in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania. But someone got the booking wrong, and instead they booked a place called Four Seasons Total Landscaping, which is a garden center in Pennsylvania, and in between a crematorium and a sex shop. So obviously, if you see photos of the Rudy, Gi- of the famous, now famous Rudy Giuliani press conference, it is just a, it is a weird sight just seeing a abandoned warehouse, basically, um, with Trump flags and really sad looking supporters. It is absolutely it's beautiful to so watch. It's just so perfect because it's not as if they couldn't have booked out another hotel right like these are very rich <laughs> people it's the fact that they committed to it that, that yeah. they were just like well we might as well do it on the side of the road because like that's the level that we're at mm. apparently it was where like the where the call was made so like in the piece he talks about how it was a really strange place to find out that biden had been officially called by the networks and then mm. there's just all their editors are being told oh go somewhere else go go like figure out this information and then there was just like some random guy like screaming about george soros <laughs> in his pants yeah that figures <laughs> sex shop in the so, crematorium it's always george soros's fault <laughs> and of course during the press conference rudy giuliani just spilled out a whole vomitous pile of bile 
unfortunately it's kind of important because it's gonna be the story which galvanizes Trump supporters that having the narrative that it was an illegal takeover that America and the institutions have taken their leader away from them and they must come back and it's gonna further divide people and those kind of narratives and stories are very important in describing how events happen and just describing countries at the same time those kind of stories are really important to Mm. kind of galvanizing a country you know for a group of people who tend to accuse people like us the liberal left as snowflakes they sure tend to victimize themselves a lot (laughs) there was something and not to go off on another another tangent but the, the most predictable of bad people on twitter are very upset that in the new call of duty you can be a non-binary character as if like you know you can take a full shotgun hit to the face in call of duty lie on the ground behind a barrel for 10 (laughs) seconds and you're fine but that's the one thing where you're like oh no this is this is totally ridiculous ronald reagan is telling me to commit war crimes the thing is call of duty itself is just right-wing porn that's like every single get every single one of those games is just basically I'm just I'm just watching Alex Jones wank into wank into a TV screen. That's all that is. It is just it's like watching the NRA having a fucking circle playing soggy biscuit with your video game controller. That's what that is. And that's also a, a very people. specific image. Well, yeah, to I don't say. want to think about that. Can we um, <laughs> can we move swiftly on? Sorry, <laughs> Will's bam, ruined it. Here's our main topic: talking about folklore and folklore. But obviously, we'll start with the the one of the big albums of this year. It was this year, correct? Yes, yeah. this yes. year. Taylor Swift's Folklore. Oh uh, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let everyone else take it away. <laughs> okay. Well, Taylor Swift seemed to realise that I was going to my dad's house for a month, and I needed some form of like joy. So she dropped <laughs> Folklore, and I know it was for me because that's you can't not have it with me. Because anyway. Sure. So it was the soundtrack to my like very isolated visit to my dad and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was culturally very significant because other people felt the same way. As you can tell by Taylor Swift TikToks. Very good. Wonderful. So Folklore was released on July the 24th, 2020 by Republic Records and it debuted at number one and I don't know right now if any of the songs have overtaken it, but for a while it was certainly the best-selling album of 2020. And that's kind of saying something, because we can't go to the cinema, but we can still buy music online. So that is still saying something. Debuted at US Billboard 200 at number one, seventh album in a row to get to Billboard number one. I don't know why it is in the UK. Um, people really liked it, not just... Um, fans but also critics and yeah man on instagram she described it as a collection of songs and stories that followed like a stream of consciousness and her imagination ran wild yeah number one in the uk as well that is an interesting description that's an interesting description of the album because on my first listen because i i listened through to it twice i listened again today the first time it did seem quite unstructured and i definitely think it's too long but like that's just a gripe of mine i hadn't clara's just pulled the face yeah um, <laughs> she's horrified but then the second time because and we'll talk about specific songs but the song epiphany which comes kind of towards the back end of the album where you yeah. kind of realize that all that's come before it is a product of kind of her post um look what you made me do error like all the kind of frustration and anger that she's had at different points in the past sort of four years or so kind of being released in a way which also references what's been happening in the last year and you kind of you kind of understand it from that perspective but like yeah it's it's definitely like the stream of consciousness thing makes sense because it does genuinely feel like she's gone out to the woods with a guitar and a pen and paper and has just been like what's on my mind today I loved Epiphany. That's the one where I'm like, I could fall asleep to this in a good way because it's just so ambient and so pretty. <laughs> I, think it, I find it too powerful, I think, because I, I didn't realise I was like holding my breath towards the end of it because when you oh. listen to the lyrics of it, 
it catches you, I think. Both the National and Boniverse subreddits were... When, it, when the album was announced, people were going crazy because Aaron Dessner was producing it and he's from the National and Justin Vernon from Boniver was going to be on it somewhere. And people were like, does that mean it's going to sound more like them? And then I listened to it. I was like, okay, good. I'm glad it doesn't sound like them. It sounds, it sounds like Taylor Swift. It sounds like what, like it was her, based, like her song structures and compositional uh, motifs that she does a lot. Like especially like even Exile, the Bonnie Ver song, it doesn't sound like abstract, kind of non non tempo using stuff. Instead, it's it it's structured. There's there's things going going on. Justin Vernon sounds like he's been basically tamed into singing like a normal human being. And smacked in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his voice about- is steep in that song. I yeah. really wanted more of that. But I really liked Taylor Swift. Like I was one of the, I was listening to her before she was cool. Essentially, like like Fearless Ugh. was the first album that I listened to. But then Red, I think, was the first one where she really exploded. Or Speak Now, I guess. But the the one where she really exploded onto the UK scene. So like I like Poppy Taylor, but I I did kind of feel like when you get Aaron Dessner and Justin Vernon. On your record, that you kind of, I kind of wanted it to do more. They're like it's towards the end of it. I definitely think that she, like, it becomes a lot more sparse and a lot more, not experimental, but but actually folkier. And I like that bit more. I loved it. Like, I'm not just saying this because I'm a child, but I really loved how it was both <laughs> like you could bop around while you get ready to go out, and you can also like feel really morose why you like you have the taylor swift experience in that in about 13 songs like you have like the the opening song where it starts off like i'm doing good i'm on some new shit and you're like yes taylor swift go 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 <laughs> and then like the last great american dynasty is like yeah, that's my favorite song that's because a really just, good song like it's really such it. a good song it ticks so many boxes of mine it tells a story which i really like in music otherwise i get bored mm. it like it tells you like a really interesting story as well like the woman who owned her house like you could go and like google who rebecca hartness was like i'm obsessed with waspy americans like i love learning about like heiresses and things Mm. anything like dominic dunn would have written about i'm obsessed and it's just like a really good like yeah man fuck this i don't need no man kind of thing and like i liked it because it i liked it because it was like skater boy because for most of it it seems like she's talking about someone else and then at the end it's like ah it was me the whole time and then I just really enjoyed all of it. And then it gets mm. like more as you go through and you can like, depending on your mood. And like, I so it's the two together album. and it's kind of about that female identity where you don't have to fit in with what other people think, which is kind of ironic coming from Taylor Swift half the time. But then again, she also has had backlash to things. So I guess not that was irrelevant. It was kind of relevant, it's fine. But it's like a new kind of female identity having to be able to say, um, yeah, I'm rich, but I don't have to be that version of rich. I can stand out and that's fine and I can be okay with myself. And um, that narrative is interesting because it shows a changing consensus of what rich women should be, even though there's probably been changing since the 70s. I haven't researched this. Are we in agreement that Folklore is a concept album? Because I would say it is. I don't in know. In a way. that I think yeah. well, there are some elements that feel like... It's like some songs in order feel like a story. Like Cardigan, August, and Betty. That Clara. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's a. Uh... But all her songs are quite story. I find that a lot of her albums are concept albums, mm. and I find that people are like this is such a great departure for her. And I, I'm like, I don't understand. It doesn't make no, any sense. Like I don't get it's it. It's a tempo. It's a down tempo, poppy, Taylor Swift album, with interesting concepts in it. But I wouldn't call it a concept album. I think I would call it a concept album in the way that 1989 is, because in 1989 she experiments more with pop, and here she's experimenting more with chamber pop and like electro folk mm, mm. rather than like acoustic folk or country and stuff like that. An alt folk and stuff. Like, like if she that, came yeah. out with like a techno groove armada album, I would be like, this is a great <laughs> This is a departure. I like, would fucking. Always... That would be fucking sick. Taylor Swift's <laughs> disco album, are you kidding? Yeah. What's she going to do? That's like, come pe- out with like. like okay. I don't that's need... what here's, people here's said about. Um, that's what people said about. Uh, 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 I knew you were trouble. 
because um, they're yeah. like, it's a Taylor Swift song. It's a Taylor Swift song. It's a Taylor Swift song, but I can dance to it, and it's dancey and groovy. That's what they said then. But yeah, you know, she's gone through phases, and like to me, it's really obvious as to why. Because I've like watched every bit of like pop culture documentary thing you can about Taylor Swift. Like I'm honestly like if I met her, I think I'd cry. <laughs> and I think she's like the only person like that for me anyway. But like. She's always been reinventing herself because that's what you do as an artist. Like, it's not really that groundbreaking to me to be able to, like, come up with new kinds of art. Especially mm. as a woman artist as well, because I think that the pressure is really there for you to kind of do something different with every album. Whereas, you know, like, people make a big deal about Dylan going electric, but Bob Dylan's been making the same sort of music his entire career, right? And oh, but yeah. when it's a woman artist, he has waves. He changes bits by bits and stuff. But you know what I mean, right? Like, 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 like his '80s stuff was really different. But you, but you get what I mean, right? Like, the, there's so much more pressure okay. on women artists. I think she talks about this in Miss Americana as well. <laughs> that when she kind of did the pivot to what was the album after 1989 called look what you made me no reputation reputation so so like when she made that and then there was stuff happening in her life at the time which contributed to it but i think she said that she took that kind of heel turn because she felt that you know once you've done what is basically i mean 1989 is her peak i think and once you've done that where do you go and the answer is that you kind of make it a bit darker but then she discovered, and it was kind of made as she was recording Lover, and what she discovered was that it didn't really fit her, I think. And oh. it, it certainly yeah, was nowhere near as... Album. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's near as good. But then Lover comes out, and she's sort of like, it's, it's, it's almost like 1989 turned up to 11. It's like, ah, here's all of my, like, colourful and shiny and wholesome parts, because I'm Taylor Swift and I, go, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> the problem with that people think Taylor Swift is bad is because a lot of her singles are bad. Apart from like blank bad paper, blood, me. bad blood. I will say this: bad blood is a bad song. No, it's not. That's no, all I'm going to say. I no. think it is. This is my opinion. That's my opinion. It sounds like it was written in five minutes by a drunken teenager. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with being a drunken teenager. I didn't also, say there was anything wrong with it. Written in two I'm just seconds saying... by Clara Hill on a podcast. Yes. I couldn't write that song. You got bad blood. Like, the, 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 the rhythm doesn't wrong. scan. But they don't fit, fit bullet holes. Just to come back to um, folklore, though. Yes. The, did you? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but this is connected. Like, um, did you catch the bit in, I think it's Invisible String? Um, where the line is, um, bad was the blood of the song in the cab on your first trip to LA. So she's yeah. sort of like referring back to her own career. Yeah, and then she goes, now I, like, I used to write songs about boys who broke my heart, but now I send them, pre now I send their babies presents. Babies presents, yeah. Mm. And it's like, that's Grown a up flag. Taylor. Like to just write that in your own song. Like she's so I genuinely thought that was I a ref it. I genuinely thought that was a reference to Ryan Reynolds in a way. Well, you're an uncle, so... No, 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 hear me out. Because Ryan Reynolds has in the past, like, said, like, just talk shit about Taylor Swift. But then then I discovered that they were kind of friends, her and him and Blake Lively, hmm. in a way. No, it's and about then... Joe Jonas. Okay, thank you. Okay, I was just going to say that um, with Alex's thing about women having the pressure to change, I think a lot of the time they're actually stuck in a box and have the pressure to be the same. Like, oh. Katy Perry, she was, like, candy plus girl, and then when she changed, that was bad even worse than it had been before for her career and i just feel like sometimes women are kind of put in a box rather than told you have to expand that was mm. all i had wanted to say but it's yeah fine. i agree with that but, but yeah, so there's, yeah. there's there's three songs on the album that kind of like they're kind of like responses to each other there's cardigan mm -hmm. which was the lead single and mm -hmm. then betty and then august cardigan is from a girl called Betty's experience about being wronged by James, who then has the perspective in Betty. And then August, we think the person in August is Inez because okay. she gets name checked in Betty for being the third in the triangle. In this triangle thing. So it's kind of, but it's also, to me, this series of songs is her most like her, like in the sense that it's quite storytelling. 
it's about teenagers, which is what she got famous for doing to be like writing like she was writing in her diary as a teenager mm. but it's also yeah they're very like different songs like betty's quite like a traditional like country song like mm. it's not like the twang and like she performed it at the country music awards and that's probably like the most concepty thing about how the way like this they kind of those speak three to each other and it's also probably like the most folklore thing about it in the way that like it's kind of like an oral retelling of an event and yeah. once really... again, I'm like, that's not a departure. I mean, she's always been storytelling. Yeah. yeah, it really benefits from her experience, I think. So back in the Fearless era, when she was doing, like, Love Story, the song, you kind of were like, and she was only, I think, 16, 17 yeah. at that point. And you're like, yeah, you, I mean, you haven't lived yet, Taylor. What are you doing? Whereas now, <laughs> whereas now you kind of feel like that stuff does come from experience and seems more powerful because of it yeah she kind of like she's aged with her fans because like their fans probably started off at that age or a bit younger me and then as you grow up and you like go along the journey of so if i knew a 14 year old girl i would buy her fearless okay that's not how yeah that's not how that's not how music is really because she just go on itunes and find it but like Mm. i would you know what i mean like that's as in, and then as you grow older, I don't know, you can still buy people CDs, no, see know, how they I react. Know, I know, I know. But you it's can not like send them Swift. songs. But it's not like Taylor albums. Swift is like someone I'm going to be like, you should listen to this. They'll probably have know it anyway. So like, she's definitely like evolved. And I just, again, I just don't really find it a departure of like the new Taylor. Mm. She just does a really bad job of marketing herself because her singles are so bad. <laughs> so yeah, The Last Great American Dynasty and the trilogy, which is like Cardigan, August and Betty, they're kind of similar to Love Story and The Lucky One and Long Live and things like that, where she is telling a story, but I think in Love Story, she has to reference like The Scarlet Letter and Romeo and Juliet, whereas in these ones, they're way, they're way more grounded because they're just about teenagers. Well, Last Great American Dynasty is, I would say it's like, it's almost like an epic. It's like a ballad in a way, because it's just, there's so much detail in it. <laughs> Yeah, it's and like, like urban legends and stuff. Like she really like has researched this woman's life. Like she talks about how she stole her cat and stole the neighbor's cat and dyed it green. And then, nice. and then she like played chess with Salvador Dali and like so, she would call what, what, her friends the bitch pack. Oh my god, origin, I love this woman. What's yeah. the origin of this story? This was a this was an actual American tale, right? Yeah, her name is Rebecca Harkness, and mm. she married. The heir to the Standard Oil name. I don't know what the name is, but anyway, and then she was not deemed to be like, she was just a middle class divorcee. I'm just reciting the song, but she. Okay. she, <laughs> she, she was, Phil, was, no, seriously, drop lyrics whenever. So <laughs> her, I mean, I didn't do it on purpose. And then, um, so she married, she, she was divorced, and she fell in love with the guy who was in line to inherit the a large sum of money from an oil trust. And then all her like all their well-to-do like East Coast waspy society was like, oh, she's just a gold digger. Anyways, but she didn't give a fuck, and she married him anyway. And then he died of a heart attack, and then they blamed her because she was such a party girl. And so she was just like, fuck this, I can't bother with the judgy waspies. And so she just like started like shipping in her own friends and like having wild parties and hanging out with celebrities of the day. And that's kind of what Taylor Swift is like. That's I think she kind of felt a kinship with this woman. That's the kind of spirit that she sees in herself and in others. Kind of like, yeah, I love urban legends. I love urban myths. <laughs> yeah, like because kind of like you only live once. Like people are gonna yak. You might as well have a big fat party in your big fat mansion. Like, okay. yeah, and it's that. crazy that even then. Okay, so Clara, you said this um, when we were planning and everything that in the Taylor Swift TikTok rumors circulated about the songs, and that's where like the kind oh, of. Yeah. Yeah, because the the names of all the people, James, Betty and Inez, they are the names of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' kids. And they're all girls, even though she's called James. So the rumours on TikTok have like, like lesbians TikTok has been like, wait a second. This is is a queer trilogy. They they come up with all these (laughs) theories that like Taylor Swift is like a closeted lesbian or like has had female relationships like with Carly I miss that so much yes if you if you write about gay people you are a gay I miss that so much about 2014-15 era Tumblr they're not saying they're gay but they're just saying like fanficking they kind of feel like there's like a slight that like this could be about like just because 
there's not really money representation yeah like so they're kind of like why not why could it not be like it's All a song of like you could one direction are gay and in love <laughs> With me, <laughs> with me all together in so my in my believe... harem fan fiction that I've written. Yeah, let people let teens. Okay, we're making fun of teenage girls now. Anyway, no, they so have it's... it. They have it tough, man. Teenage girls. Well, we all used to be teenage girls. Yeah, so... and like, they, like, why not? Like, it's a song. I don't like. Who really cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, who doesn't love a little bit of fan fiction every now and then? Yeah. And last bit, the lakes. Which I think is a really cool song. I really like this one. Oh, yeah, she name checks uh, William Wordsworth and Romanticism mm. and Lake Windermere, which is yeah. for her brave fan. Because I don't think what's in Lake Windermere. The lake. Yeah, um, do Americans know what that is? Lake Windermere. Probably not. I know what it is. Well, apparently she doesn't know much about Britain in general because when okay. she did London Boy and completely <laughs> debased herself. Choo! She. Love that song. I genuinely Go like, to Camden Town Market with Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> oh my words! I, I would like Windermere is lovely. I've been there. It's really, really nice. That was There's like the nice people Avengers election video. Once I heard London Boy, I just had to be like, "Can I not ever again, please? Can yeah. I forget that that exists." <laughs> Never again. I really like about the lakes is that she's just really like embracing like the moody writer. She's mm-hmm. just like, I'm mm-hmm. going to just sit in the field. And I was like, yes, Taylor Swift, I too am going to sit in the field. Yeah. Percy Bysshe Shelley and William Wordsworth, Lord Byron, except he also has an orgy at the same time. I love that legend of Lord Byron being in Paris and nearly dying because it had too much sex without drinking. He just outfucked himself. I need Taylor Swift's take on the out. Mary... I need Taylor Swift's take on the Mary Wollstonecraft statue. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Okay, we are going to have to talk about that at some point, but maybe not this episode. I wonder how romanticism kind of ties into this. I don't know. So I wrote down some notes about what romanticism is. It's basically um, the counter theory to the Enlightenment, which is all about logic and facts don't care about your feelings and kind of science and stuff, a big breakthrough in science. So romantic poets were like, I don't like this. I go up to the top of a mountain and I look down through the fog and I feel total awe, which is also called the sublime. So it's about nature and the sublime and it's kind of harking back to old times when things were different and like magic and religion and stuff like that. I don't know if I could see it in this album. You guys? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I don't think Taylor Swift is a reply guy, so I could see her being <laughs> a romantic. That we know of. She could have yeah. an alt account. We don't gonna know. she's not going to be like, She's not going to be like, Taylor well, actually, man, 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 man. She just like she likes to write about William Wordsworth in her song. Taylor Taylor Swift is uh, Percy Shelley reincarnated. <laughs> put that theory out there. This album is kind of the latest example of American songwriting and folklore kind of being weaved together, and how how a lot of the American, the great American song tradition, let's call it, because they would love to call it that, probably is is. Is 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 just full of legends and folk tales, especially out in more rural areas. Just about all these interesting settings and through time. Yeah, American identity and folklore is very connected. I had said that if you want to see a perfect example of this, then you should watch Your Brother Went Out There by the Coen Brothers. So it's set in like the ninety in the Depression, so the nineteen thirties, um, and it's about three prisoners who break out of prisons and they're traveling across America and it just shows you perfectly how folk songs are a part of the American landscape and how it kind of helps settle their um, identity. Um, My boyfriend Callan kind of described it as exploring the American identity through folk songs and he thought that that was great because he loves that early American music and he thought that it fit really well. Um, So I had said, at the genesis of American music, the story is told through folk tales, which in turn expand upon the early American setting, and in more terms, the title is taken from the title of a book someone is writing in another film, and the whole thing is supposed to be reminiscent of Homer's The Odyssey, even though it's not really based on it. But in even more terms, The Odyssey is about these mythological mythological monsters and stories which might be true or might not be true, and probably aren't true, kind of being all weaved together to make one big epic. So storytelling and folk music are important to creating the American identity. It's on Netflix, I think. Um, 
and <laughs> it was in like 2002 which is like or something it was the early kind of use of color editing um that's not important except that marvel stopped that and i don't like that they stopped that because now their films <laughs> don't look as good yeah um, my mum really likes that film and she really likes folk music so i think i mean i don't know if they're connected but that's, mm. i've heard it's a so lot good. about this film but the film also has um, a character called Tommy Johnson, which is reminiscent of Robert Johnson. And that's kind of like a passing sort of mention to how there is a segregation within the American music and American identity, where there's music which can, which is white, and there's the blues and early rock and roll, which eventually got taken by Elvis Presley and his country twangs. And, how um, white people stole black black music and, and turned it into a... Not necessarily, yeah. just that there is a difference between like the blues and the folk in this area. Um, there is an American kind of music which comes from black people and there's a, a documentary which sounds amazing because it has episodes directed by Martin Scorsese and then an episode directed by Vin Vendors. And an, uh, it's really good. What's it's it called? really, really good. The History of the Blues. History um, of blues it's so good it shows how slave shanties evolved into blues music which is kind of another genesis of all american music um so yeah i was just kind of wondering if the folk story of america is kind of white if it excludes the black narrative by focusing on kind of evangelical well, christian narrative instead i can here's a really good example of that there's a really famous blues song called black betty mm -hmm. which was was kind of fully recorded as a, as a as a song to sell by Lead Belly, who is a legend of of early early blues in from the thirties and forties. But obviously, in the nineteen seventies, it was re-recorded as a kind of huge rock song by a band called Ram Jam. You know, oh Black Betty, bam a lamb, whoa Black Betty, bam a lamb, Black Betty had a child, etc. etc. I like how your rendition cracked into a southern <laughs> accent about halfway through. You're like, oh, this doesn't <laughs> seem right. Yeah, but there's a really, really early recording of um, prison uh, prison workers uh, singing singing the original lyrics to that song, and they're you know it's 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 while it's while they um, they're hammering rocks and like it's just but it's just an audio recording done back in the early 1910s I believe, and the the original lyrics of that version of Black Betty is the story of a woman called Betty who has a child. But she has to dip it in gravy because it's the captain's it's the captain's baby because the captain has it's implied raped this woman and but because oh. the because the child is mixed race, Betty has to dip the baby in gravy to make it more brown, as it were. That's oh the God. original that's the original context. It's a it's a yeah. Oh god, I'm gonna cry. Yeah, that's the original context of Black Bay, everybody. That's really awful. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just yeah, interesting how folk is about really horrible things. I listened yeah. to this um this Radio Four program about basically it was like a it was the first episode anyway, and there was this song and it's all about like people dying at war, like just like just describing the horribleness of war. I think it's a way yeah. of like people because like it's like storytelling, it's like processing things, isn't it? Like mm. processing the unpalatable. Yeah, I mean and to bring it back to. Taylor Swift, you know, I mean, this is quite a grim 10 minutes, but oh, to bring it back, that like, um, Epiphany is not, and I have a complaint about Epiphany, but well, we can get to it. It's it's about COVID, but it is also about is navigating. It? Yeah, Epiphany is like, that there's references to. Um... Explain yourself. No, 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 there is. If you look at the lyrics, it's kind of, it makes references to touching people through plastic and struggling to breathe and things oh like God, that. Oh, God, I didn't clock that. All right. No, yeah, yeah. It's, I it's, mean, I believe you. I'm just shocked. It's about, like, trying to fight your way through a dark world. And I can't I can't believe you found something Clara didn't on a Taylor Swift album. No, well, I, I was just interested because I... I, 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 I doing really funny. I was doing scholarly analysis, Will. God, I, I was... I was <laughs> Reading the lyrics as they as they were being the played, I tell you what. Actually, <laughs> speaking of um, speaking of reading through the lyrics, when she says "fuck" on Betty, I was like, "Taylor, 
I know, me too. She Gosh. swears like three different times. She's yeah. like, I'm doing when she's like she opens the the, the album on a on a on a on a swear word and I was like, Ooh, Taylor. Ooh, Taylor. Mm. Yeah, it's I started playing it to my nephew Taylor. to see if he would like it. And then I was like, Oops. So that's where we learned the lesson that you start your with fearless. Your nephew is your nephew is how old, Sophie? Nine. <laughs> when she, oh, he's heard it all before. When she performed Betty at the Country Music Awards, she was like, she said straight to hell instead of go fuck yourself. And okay. I was like, it doesn't really sound the same, but I appreciate the vibe anyway. Taylor Swift swearing is new frontier. Her anger is coming out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love the discourse on um on Twitter about speaking of folk comparisons of Taylor Swift folk was if she's the Joni Mitchell of our generation. Ooh. Okay. Um, I would say yes because okay. I think it's an easy way to describe her. I'm not going to say I would like, say yes because it's convenient. I would say yes because like I feel like she's a singer songwriter. Like they're both white singer songwriters. But like the difference. I think she's probably closer to Dolly Parton than Joni Mitchell. Like my my instinct is that the Joni Mitchell of our generation is somebody like. Uh, Jessica Pratt or Laura Marling because they're much easier to associate as like a woman with guitar musician. Like to, yeah. to, to really to really boil it down, you know? That, like, I don't know, like, I know if they play the lambasted. same... I don't know if they sing the same kind of songs though. Laura no. Marling definitely does, but... but yeah, I, don't I don't know. She, like, I just but think of her as kind of she's like... She's got a different vibe. Yeah, but also like kind of swearing about shitty stuff kind of songs and then also god at the end <laughs> speaking of Joni mitchell though should um should we take this opportunity to um promote our playlist yeah we made a playlist yes for you all. so the team all of us here have constructed a playlist to go along we're going to do this every episode from now on really? a playlist to yeah i think it'd be a lot of fun um watch us never do it again yeah. Um, <laughs> shut up. So um, summarizing the history of wisdom teeth in one sentence there. <laughs> what is never do it again? Um, so we have made a playlist to coincide with this discussion about folklore and not just the Taylor Swift album, but also the um, everything we talked about about how music has weaved storytelling into it. And we've contributed about nine songs each on average, I think. I've added sort of like the early, like early blue stuff that Sophie was talking about. Um, I've included "You're Dead" by Norma Tanega because I thought it was a good New Zealand song to add in. Also because I love her and it has that kind of vibe to it. And we are going to include this episode into that playlist, so you can. But also, we'll link the playlist in our spot in it in our bio in this episode because we're going to try and multi-platform with this as we stretch out into other platforms we'll talk about that at the end of the episode actually what we're trying to do now it's time for the tensest feature in podcasting although the tension is usually about me trying to figure out whether i've actually done it or not it's the wisest two so what we're going to do is um some of these are going to be fastest finger first so whoever shouts out the answer first gets the point some of right. them will be you're each guessing a different answer and whoever is closest gets the point. Uh, so I'll announce that beforehand and then we will see who wins. To clarify, this Wise's Tooth is just about this election? It is about the Trump presidency in general. Oh, right. okay. oh yeah. Here no, we okay. go. So more politics, let's, let's, less drama. Let's, let's think about the last four years, guys. Okay. I have a really good answer. All right, so, so this one is fastest finger first. Okay. So question one. Which of these items has not been endorsed by President Trump in his life? <laughs> is it A, steaks, B, wine, or C, cheese? Ding, wine. Cheese. cheese. Right. Clara said cheese first. Cheese is the right answer. <laughs> Will was faster, but the answer was wrong. So wait, yeah, what was his wine? What 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 was his wine endorsement? Well, he, he has wine. a he has he has Trump steaks and he has Trump wine. And somebody oh, I work with um, had a bottle of it that they were drinking on election night in case the Did worst it taste happened. Nice? I don't think I found out. It was probably Can quite vinegary though. It tastes nice. All right. I will get back to you. Because I remember I remember the Trump steaks thing because it was like what the sharpest yeah. cut were part of that thing. Yeah. I think. 
I remember okay. him trying to sell that shit. This one is also a fastest finger first. Okay. Question two. How many days did Anthony Scaramucci last in his role bing, bing, as White bing, House bing, Communication? Bing, 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 bing. Clara Hill. Eleven. Eleven. Eleven days is the right answer. Eleven days. Eleven days. The and mooch the, has the mooch. Spin it into a career, he, right? Yeah, he's managed to spin it into a media career. He just makes all his money being like, I work for for Trump for eleven days. <laughs> what a man. What a man. That's hilarious. He is he's a weird guy. He is, but He's so fascinating. All right, question three is, I'm going to get each of you to give me an answer. Oh, okay. no. Okay, so between November the 9th, 2016, which is when Donald Trump was confirmed as the president-elect, to July 19th, 2020, to, <laughs> to the nearest 100, how many times has he tweeted? So I'm going to go from uh, the top of my Zoom screen down. So, Will? So this, okay, so this is like a Price is Right system? To the nearest 100. 800. 800 times? I don't put it, I can't put it past him. Just 800? Okay. Sophie? Um, I don't know how high to go now. I feel all brain puzzled. Oh, fuck. I was going to ah. go into the millions, but I guess I'll go 13,400. 13,400. I'm going to go 150,000. Okay. So the real answer is 20,564. So Sophie gets the point. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Him and I would. I think I tweet that much too. You can Wait, say, the, you can say, say the total again. Twenty thousand five hundred and sixty-four, and that doesn't include wow. the last um, sort of four or five months since July. So how many? So how many tweets a day is that? Uh, Too many. Average. Well, oh, okay. Please, so no three hundred and sixty-five times four is like numbers that we don't understand. Okay. Twenty-one, <laughs> twenty-eight, two hundred and eighty. Come on, math boy. It's like 15, 1,500. Divide that by... 20, divide 20... 200, 20 well, divide 20,000 by 1,500 and what do you get? Other numbers. A lot. Anyway. <laughs> Not now. Fucking hell. Question, question four. So it's 2-1 to Clara at the moment. Question four. In 2019... President Trump allegedly offered to buy Greenland from which country? Denmark. Denmark. Will was fastest. He gets the no! point. It was so stupid. I just I, that was one of the weirdest international things. Why because would I don't you know. Want it? Because, What's it? Oh, I, oil, oil, who knows, oil. man? Oh, okay. There's oil and snow. There is this bit of land that is bordering between Greenland and the U.S., which. I think one group of US soldiers leave a leave a present for the Danish and then the Danish do the same. Aww. Like ev every every year, I think. I, love I need that. to look back into that. Please, yeah, look it up. Okay, so mm -hmm. this is the fifth and final question. I haven't made a tie break, so it's going to be a tie if <laughs> Will or Sophie get this one. Oops. So, no pressure, Clara. Okay. When North Korean leader Kim Jong Un got into a fight with Donald Trump, a war with words, which antiquated insult stuck out? Rocket Man. I can't accept Rocket Man, I'm afraid. I should have made that question more specific. Antiquated insult. Antiquated insult. Stymie. Which word did he use? Can't accept that very, either. A very racist term that begins with a C that I don't want to say. Oh, I don't no. want to say it. So this is this okay. is Kim Jong un to Donald Trump. And it's not it's not a slur that we can't use. It's not a slur we can't use. It's not a slur we can't it's use. It's an, an old word. It's an right? oldie timey insult. Like that... are you scoundrel. Dun -dun -dun. Cad. Okay. It begins with the letter D. Dingus. <laughs> Dingus. No. No. Dickhead. No. <laughs> that just you dickhead. Okay, I'm gonna give you guys all one last guess. Oh no. Um. This happened the last time I did Wise's Tooth, didn't it? Like, it took you ages to th to come up with the final answer. Oh, yeah. Why are you just saying Rocket Man? He did call him Rocket Man, but that's not what I was looking for. I know, but I'm just annoying at your question. Da Dastardly? No. Okay. That's Will out of the game. Sophie. See, I'm doing my Dummy. <laughs> okay, that's Clara's guess. She's out. Come on, Sophie, bring it home. Sophie can steal the tie. <laughs> That's so good that I almost want to give you the point for it, but I'm afraid that is incorrect. The right answer was dotard. 
Dota. Oh, doted. Okay. Yes. What? Dota. Uh, fuck. It's a very old. I clearly heard insult. that at some point, but I don't understand. What is a dotard? Doted noun. An old person, especially one who has become physically weak or whose mental faculties have declined. So if you think about it, Kim Jong-un predicted that Donald Trump was going to get the Rona. Uh, <laughs> no, he already had the Rona because a man's doted. got no taste. Look at his gold elevators. You doted. Wow. I'm going to say that every day. You doted. <laughs> I hate that Kim Jong-un has positively impacted my life now. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> What's the points on that? So Clara wins. So Clara is the winner. You guys both got one point and Clara got two. I know the most about Donald Trump. Oh. But burdened wow. with knowledge, wow, wow. I would say. I should put that on my CV. Specialism. <laughs> Donald Trump. So who is it next? Is it me or Will? It, uh, no, I was no, I was before Alex. So next is... Me? I haven't done it in ages. Sophie. Yeah. yeah, Sophie. Yeah. Ooh. On. on that note, we are bringing this episode to a close. Thank you very much to my hosts. I'm Will Bond, and joining me, like I'm being, I was joined by Alex Reese, Sophie Taylor, and Clara Hill. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Wise Man WB. You can follow me on Instagram at AxeReels and on Twitter at Alex T Reese Radio. That's Alex Trees Radio. That's my professional account. I am just on the Instagrams, I'm afraid, because I lost my Twitter password. And I can't be bothered to get it back. It's actually been quite nice. I'm on Instagram at Sophie Rue Taylor. S-O-P-H-I-E-R-U-H-T-A-Y-L-O-R. That's one thing. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Clara Ish. That's Clara underscore Ish. Oh yeah, it's underscore Ish. <laughs> we are still in the process of creating our Patreon. We just got to f- figure out what kind of rewards we want to give to our future wonderful patrons, which will hopefully be some of you out there. We are also constructing a website to condense all of our works together, all the things that we do individually and the things we do together. That will be the Wiseman Labs website. We will be back in a couple of weeks on the cusp of November, December, where we'll be talking about something. We'll figure it out. But this has been an incredible episode talking about folklore. We'll see you guys very soon. Much love. Goodbye. Wisdom Teeth is written and hosted by Will Bond, Clara Hill, Alex Reese, and Sophie Taylor. Edited by Will Bond, a Wise Man Laboratories production. A Wise Man Laboratories production.